Thank you for joining us for Sound Reasoning with Christian apologist and minister Perseus Poku of Sound Reasoning Ministries. It's our prayer that today's program will educate, train, and empower you to defend your Christian faith with confidence. Perseus has his bachelor's in history and a master's degree in apologetics. We hope you enjoy this time of equipping so that you can answer questions to defend your Christian faith effectively. Now here's Perseus Poku on Sound Reasoning. Welcome to Sound Reasoning. I'm your host, Perseus Poku. And on today's episode, we wanted to continue our discussion on Arguments for Miracles Part 2. Arguments for Miracles Part 2. And on last episode, we talked about the role of miracles, the definition of what miracles are according to Scripture, and its functionality. And I just wanted to, uh, before we start, reflect on some of the miracles that the Bible highlights. And again, as I review these miracles, of course, this is not exhaustive. This is just uh, specific miracles that I wanted to highlight for this episode. But keep in mind the function of miracles. Uh, The miracles are performed by God as a signpost for a message, not for entertainment's sake, not for people to miss the message and get caught up in the signs and wonders and the awe of the occurrence. So it's important that when we see miracles, we ask the greater question, okay, God has performed a miracle, but what is Uh, the miracle for what is he trying to do whose attention is he trying to get why did God perform that particular miracle and so the objective is not to get sidetracked by the miracle but more so the miracle operator who's God and the message he has so as we read the narratives of scripture let's not become distracted by the majesty of the miracle, but rather the um, message that the miracle is pointing to. That's what we want to get. And if you can get the message, then you are fulfilling or properly interpreting the passage the way that God wants you to interpret it, and you're being hermeneutically accurate. So when I think about miracles, last Uh, episode we highlighted some New Testament miracles but on this episode I wanted to highlight Old Testament miracles so as I mentioned last week there's no greater miracle for me than the creation of the universe and that can be found in Genesis 1 of course then I think about the great diluvian flood uh, which is the worldwide flood in Genesis 7 through 8 God's uh, flooding the uh, earth with uh, Noah being Noah and his family being the ones that experienced salvation, uh, temporal salvation. Then I think about the burning bush, the bush being consumed but not burned. That is a miracle as God, uh, as the angel of the Lord called uh, Moses aside that he may speak with him. Then the rod of Moses becoming a serpent. It's another miracle where an 
inanimate object, which is the rod, becomes animated. And only God can do that. God can give something that is inanimate life. Man cannot do that. Those are two different uh, things. To have life and to not have life is two different realms. And God, because he's God, he's able to give life to the lifeless. And then the parting of the Red Sea. I often think about when I was a, a young person and looking at uh, the uh, Red Sea narrative on the movies with Charleston Heston and seeing what Hollywood was able to do with it. Uh, but uh, when I try to envision the Red Sea experience, it's much more majestic than what Hollywood is talking about. It's much more grand than what I saw uh, on the movies. So knowing that God is able to part the Red Sea and allow his children to walk on dry land. And I believe it. I receive it by faith that it actually happened. And those type of miracles get me excited. It just it gets me excited because I know that the same God is able to hear my prayers. He's able to perform signs and wonders in my life, just like he's able to perform signs and wonders in your life. God is more than capable. But again, God is not some type of cosmic bellhopper who answers and perform miracles at our whim. God is not going to just perform a miracle because we want to see one. As I stated last week, miracles are not for entertainment. And if miracles become a regular pattern, a repetitive pattern, if miracles start being performed on a consistent basis, then it illegitimizes what a miracle is. Miracles by its very nature are irregular. And they're not intended to be performed on a regular basis. And this is why uh, signs have such a hard time accepting miracles because our scientists today, ma the majority of them are naturalistic. And in their view, if they can't test it, if they can't see it, if it can't be observed on a regular basis, then to them it doesn't exist. So again, the parting of the Red Sea excites me. Then manna falling from heaven. Can you imagine that? Bread falling from heaven. And then the bread, another miracle, has an expiration date by God himself. That at a certain point you can no longer eat it. Then water flowing from a rock. Uh, we live here in California. and Many of us have experienced a drought in the last few months. Uh, thankfully, we've exp uh, we've experienced some rain in the last few days, but many people were concerned about this drought. Now, imagine if you can go to a rock, any rock that you see, and water uh, flowed from this rock. Uh, first of all, we will put all of the uh, water bottling companies out of business, but God can. God is able as he see fit, as he sees it necessary for the overall message. If God wanted to spring water from a rock, he can do that. Nothing is too hard for God. So if it's in his will, if it serves a greater purpose for his kingdom agenda, God will do and can do whatever he wants to do. So water flowing from a rock 
Exodus 17 and 5. Then the parting of the Jordan River, Joshua 3, 14 through 17. And another, uh, another uh, miracle as we see God parting the Jordan River for Joshua. And the reason why is because uh, if, if you look at it, the narrative of the Jordan River being parted is very similar to the narrative of the Red Sea being parted for Moses. And the reason why God is performing a similar type of miracle for Joshua is because he wanted the people to understand that the same God that was with Moses who parted the Red Sea is the same God who is parting the Jordan River for Joshua. So God uh, performed this miracle in Joshua's under Joshua's leadership to demonstrate and to prove to the people of Israel that the same God is with Joshua, just like he was with Moses. So again, miracles are a signpost towards a greater message. So when we read the story about the children of Israel being led by Joshua through the Jordan River, that is the greater message that the same God who is with Moses is also with Joshua. And for us, what we can extrapolate from this is that the same God who was with Moses, who was with Joshua, the same God who was with Noah, the same God who was with Abraham, the same God who was with the Old Testament saints is the same God who was with uh, our Savior, uh, who was with the Christ, who was with the Anointed One, the same God, the same Father. He's also with us. The same God, not another God, but the same God who has the power to raise up Jesus. The same God who has the power to resurrect our Lord and Savior. The same God who has all power is accessible to all of us. And that should get us excited. Again, we're talking about miracles and arguments for miracles, and we'll get into that. But I, I didn't want to miss this opportunity to highlight some of the miracles that the Bible talks about. And again, doesn't matter what the world is saying. As Christians, by faith, we receive God's word. We know that whatever God said is true, is true. Whatever God affirms to be false is false. And even though we may not have immediate evidence to support some of our arguments, that doesn't disqualify what the Bible says. And if you have a chance, go back and listen to our podcast on the nature of truth. And one of the things we talked about is some things can still be true, even if you don't have immediate evidence to support it. Again, some things can still be true, even if you don't have immediate evidence to support it. And we talk about the uh, the group that works on behalf of prisoners to uh, review their cases. And these are prisoners who in the beginning, before they were sentenced, have always uh, confessed that they were innocent. But when they were arrested, there weren't enough evidence to demonstrate their innocence. So this innocent project, that's what they're called, the innocence project, they review special cases where the prisoners said they were innocent and they're able to find evidence to, dis, uh, to demonstrate 
even after the guilty verdict to demonstrate that this particular prisoner was indeed innocent. And through their efforts, many of their clients have been released. So my point is this. In the beginning, these prisoners vowed and pleaded their innocence, saying that they did not do or commit this crime. But because there wasn't any evidence to exonerate them, they were sentenced. But here comes this innocence project who's able to go back, discover some of the key evidence and bring it back to court. And the court eventually uh, find these prisoners innocent. So some things can still be true, even if you don't have immediate evidence to support what you're saying. So a lot of these uh, ex felons who are released and exonerated are thankful uh, and appreciative of, of their efforts. So the facts finally caught up with the truth. And that's what happens with Christianity. A lot of times is a lot of the skeptics. They talk about us. They want immediate verification of some of the claims we're making. And if we don't present it, then they say, well, it can't be true, but that's not the nature of truth. Some things can be true. Even if you don't have immediate evidence to support it. So even if we never find Noah's Ark, I still believe that Noah's Ark exists or, or uh, once existed in time. Even if we don't find the Ark of the Covenants, I still believe that what the Bible says about the existence of the Ark of the Covenants is true. So something can still be true once again, even if we don't have immediate evidence to support it. Now, let's get back to uh, some of the miracles of the Bible that I enjoy. The sun standing still and the moon being stopped. Joshua 10, 12 through 14. How wonderful is that? That God can make the sun stand still and the moon stop. And then Elijah was served by ravens. First Kings 17 and 6. Elijah being waited on by ravens. Then Jonah being swallowed by a big fish. Uh, that also excites me. That God can preserve life. In the middle of chaos, Jonah being swallowed up and not being killed because God had a mission for Jonah. And because of that, the big fish had to uh, spew him out. And a lot of people, a lot of skeptics claim that this could not have happened. Well, it did happen. I wasn't there, but I trust the God that I serve and I trust his report, which is called the Bible. Then New Testament miracles. Jesus turned water into wine, John 2 and 9. The healing of the leper, Matthew 8 and 3. The impotent man healed, John 5 and 5. The woman with the issue of blood healed by the touching of Jesus' garment, Matthew 9 20. The feeding of the 5,000, Mark 9 41. The blind man healed, John 9 and 1. The resurrection of Christ, Luke 24 and and six. And again, this is just only a few of the miracles that the Bible highlights. So what is a miracle? We defined a miracle last week as a supernatural singular event. While natural laws do follow a pattern of regularities, miracles or signs and wonders which are performed by our God are irregular in nature. So in other words, miracles by definition are those events or acts performed by God that interrupts the laws of nature without viol violating the laws of nature. 
not the function of a miracle. Miracles, as I said earlier, are signposts administered by God, not for entertainment purposes. They are signs and wonders which serves as signposts for something greater. It is a sign. Just like when you see the stop sign, you know what it means. When you see the yield sign, you know what it means. When you see the walk sign, you know what it means. So miracles serves as signposts for a message that God is trying to convey. When God performed the various miracles, for example, uh, through Moses in Egypt, they were intended to get the attention of Pharaoh, the uh, magicians of Egypt, the Hebrews, as well as the citizens of Egypt. And the message was clear. The true and genuine God was with Moses and he had chosen the Hebrew for his ultimate plan. Not that they were anything special in themselves as Hebrews. It was God who made them uh, sanctified or who sanctified them. It was God who chose them because of his preference to use them as the catalyst for the salvation of the world. And so when Moses asked God, who should I say sent me? He said, he told him, tell him that I am that I am sent you. I am that I am. I am everything that you need for me to be so that my message and my plan will be fulfilled. Now, there are two dimensions to a miracle, as we mentioned. The first dimension is that miracles are performed by God to authenticate his message. Miracles are performed by God to authenticate his message. So in the discourse in chapter three of Exodus, as Moses is talking to God about why he shouldn't be the one to, uh, to be sent because he's not as articulate or uh, he, why do you want me to go to Egypt? So as he's talking to God, God is answering and responding to him uh, to, to reveal himself in terms of what Moses uh, need in order to start his ministry. So God gave him a message. You go tell Pharaoh to let my people go. So that's the first aspect of a miracle is that miracles are intended to authenticate God's message. Then number two, miracles at the same time authenticate his messenger. So when a miracle comes to pass, not only does it authenticate God's message, but it authenticates uh, God's messenger proving that this person is the authentic messenger, that this person is truly from God because God put a stamp of approval on this message that he's reported. So when God validates him, uh, himself, he's also validating the messenger as well as his message. Now, some uh, within the church may uh, not within the church, but some may believe arguing for the reality of supernatural events is a waste of time. And you'll find these type of individuals inside as well as outside the church. Uh, some Christians may suggest that as long as we believe uh, what the Bible says through faith, then we don't need to demonstrate anything. However, as Christians, it is our duty to have a response to those who ask us about our faith. First Peter 3.15. It's very important to believe in the supernatural events because our faith is founded or is rooted in the supernatural. The faith of all Christians rests on the supernatural event 
which we call the resurrection of Jesus Christ. First Corinthians fifteen fourteen talks about if Christ did not rise, then our preaching is in vain. So Paul informs his readers that if Jesus did not rise, again, which is a supernatural event, then our faith is in vain. It's empty. Since God frequently interacts with his creation supernaturally, we must as Christians embrace miracles or signs and wonders or the supernatural. There are numerous instances from both the Old and New Testament that affirms the reality of miracles. And in viewing the miracle accounts in the Bible, it's clear to see that God has a plan. Whenever you perform miracles, the miracles are a signpost to a greater message. Miracles are generally intended to affirm God's messenger, confirm his message, and to highlight his existence as the Almighty. If we refuse to accept the supernatural events, then we are refusing to accept the resurrection. And refusing to accept the resurrection for the Christian would be illogical. Furthermore, if truth is that which corresponds to its object, then to deny the existence of the supernatural is to believe in falsehood, assuming that God does exist. Now, rejecting the biblical accounts of miracle is also rejecting God, his message, as well as his messenger. One cannot say, I believe in God who created the universe out of nothing ex nihilo and at the same time not believe in the supernatural. Now, there are those who have objections to the supernatural events. Through the ages, we've had many skeptics who've developed good arguments against the feasibility or the reality of the supernatural that we call miracles. We've had individuals such as Rudolf Boltman, Benedict Spinoza, Anthony Flew, David Hume, Ninian Smart, Richard Dawkins, uh, contemporary people like Bill Nyer, and even Stephen Hawkins. They argue against the reality of miracles. First of all, their, their main issue is many of them are atheists, so if God doesn't exist, then of course it's hard for them to believe in miracles. And we know that God does exist. And we know that God sent his son Jesus to Christ. And through Christ we see evidence of miracles being performed. And Christ performed miracles not for people's entertainment but to support and to buttress his ministry. Whenever Jesus healed someone it was pointing toward the greater message of the kingdom of God. Jesus wasn't just going around performing miracles as a sideshow for people to clap their hands and for people to be distracted by the supernatural act that they just witnessed. There was a greater message. Jesus wanted all of his followers, all the people that were spectators to learn something about the kingdom of gender, the kingdom of heaven. That was Jesus ministry and it ought to be our ministry. So on next episode lord willing we want to continue the arguments for miracles i pray you got something out of today's episode go out share the good news and stand on the truth of the word 
Thanks for listening to Sound Reasoning with apologist and minister Perseus Poku from Sound Reasoning Ministries. It's our prayer that today's lesson has equipped you to share and defend your Christian faith with boldness. Sound Reasoning Ministries offers training in apologetics, biblical studies, and systematic theology. Join in on discussions on Facebook at Sound Reasoning Ministries. For more information about the ministry, to send an email, ask a question, or support the ministry, visit online at srministries.org. That's srministries.org. Listen again next week at this same time. And remember, Titus 1.9 says, Hold firm to the trustworthy message as has been taught, so that you can encourage others by sound doctrine and refute those who oppose it. Sound Reasoning Ministries, srministries.org. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances. God invites us to cultivate thankful hearts by turning our eyes toward Him in good times and bad. To listen to more Abide Christian Meditations, just go to lifeaudio.com or search your favorite podcast app for Abide Christian Meditation. You can also download the Abide app for more biblical meditations at abide.com.